Hello and welcome everyone to the Fate of the Union podcast, a weekly review of the biggest issues in national politics given from a conservative perspective. The show will also periodically address current true crime cases from across the country. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, let's talk about the fate of the union. It's been a little while since we last talked, so let's take a look at some of the biggest stories in the country. First, of course, we need to talk about what has transpired in Wisconsin. Most recently, protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin, have been burning, pillaging, destroying, and stealing all in the name of social justice. Among the disturbing incidents in Wisconsin has been the violent assault of a police officer who was hit directly in the head with a brick during the melee. As I'm sure you're all aware now, the excuse being offered for this latest round of chaos is the police shooting of a man named Jacob Blake over the weekend. Now, when the video first surfaced on the internet, there wasn't a lot known about Jacob Blake himself or the incident beyond the singular video you see here. But now we know a little bit more, so let's dive into it. Multiple media outlets are reporting that police arrived at the scene in response to a domestic disturbance. They tried to arrest Blake in connection with multiple alleged crimes, including sexual assault. The Philadelphia Inquirer reported that, quote, Online court records indicate Kenosha County prosecutors charged Blake on July 6 with sexual assault, trespassing, and disorderly conduct in connection with domestic abuse. An arrest warrant was issued the following day. During his altercation with police, Blake not only resisted arrest, but also could not be subdued even by taser. After that, Blake disregarded police orders despite them also having their guns pointed at him, and instead walked around the front of his car and reached inside the driver's door. At that point, the officer unleashed seven shots. Blake is reportedly still alive, but is reported to perhaps be paralyzed for the rest of his life. Now, what we've also heard is about Blake's criminal history. Blake has a criminal history and one that includes an incident in 2015 where he needed to be subdued by police after pulling a gun in a bar. Records also reveal that Blake was arrested in 2013 in Round Lake Beach for criminal trespass to a vehicle and arrested in 2012 in Illinois for domestic battery and endangering the life and health of a child while also driving under the influence. It's also worth noting something about the sexual assault charge. There's been a claim flying around the internet about Blake being guilty of statutory rape of a minor. But I believe that references the wrong law. Here you can see that the statute rape charge in Wisconsin, the official title to the section of law is called sexual assault of a child, is located in section 948.02. But we see that that's first degree sexual assault. The third degree 
sexual assault. The charge in which Blake was facing is 940.225. In that section, we see that it says, quote, whoever has sexual intercourse with a person without the consent of that person is guilty of a Class G felony. More of the typical uh, rape scenario that a lot of people would think of when someone is being charged with with rape. Um, it, it's the kind of rape charge that doesn't have any attendant circumstances necessarily, certainly to do with that of an underage victim or one that involves uh, drugs or alcohol or perhaps not even with kidnapping necessarily, it's much more broadly based and general. Also, I've seen this section being floated around quite a bit. Section 11-37-6, which does outline third-degree sexual assault as statutory rape of a minor. But you will notice here that this is actually Rhode Island's section of law. You see state ri.us. So it looks like this is being a stand-in to justify what in Wisconsin is not statutory rape under third-degree sexual assault. So that also seems to be a little bit of misinformation floating around. Although the basic difference in the charge, of course, doesn't change any facts or circumstances of the case certainly from the police officer's perspective when arriving at the scene. And getting back to that, the shooting of Jacob Blake, we now know from the state's initial investigation that a knife was indeed found on the car floorboard at the scene of the crime. So it appears that item in Blake's hand that's seen in some of the more zoomed-in versions of videos is actually a knife as originally suspected. We were also certain now that while the children in the car having to witness the shooting is a a tragedy in itself, Blake did have ample opportunity to avoid this fate. He disregarded officers' warnings numerous times and proceeded to walk back to his car. He then walked around the front of the car, beginning to get out of officer's line of sight. There were also reports that he had a knife on him. Now we know that that seemingly is true. And you can see him holding an item in the video. If we are, in fact, met with a case in which officers were attempting to arrest Blake, he resisted arrest, including an attempt with a taser, and disobeyed police officers as he reached into the car, then we again see a case in which the facts simply do not add up to an unjustifiable shooting by the police. We must remember, similar to the Rayshard Brooks case, it is not whether one personally agrees with the officer thinking he's in danger, or if one would have acted in the same way. Instead, we must ask ourselves, could an officer in the situation reasonably think his life was in danger, when faced with the supposed threat. When facing a suspect who appears to have a knife, resists arrest and a taser shot, and disobeys officers long enough to reach into his car, I think you have to arrive at the conclusion that the officers reasonably thought their lives were in danger. 
You have a suspect who clearly doesn't think anything of disregarding officers and resisting arrest. And now he is reaching into his car for who knows what. Even though seven shots may sound excessive, and the kids being in the car witnessing and being in at least the nearby presence is dangerous in itself, an officer could nevertheless reasonably conclude Blake posed a deadly threat after repeatedly resisting officers and then reaching into the car despite officers' orders to stay still. But, as too often become the case, the further destruction of these communities will be the uncalled-for response when faced with a police shooting under any circumstances, justified or not. And speaking of Jacob Blake, that actually leads us into some news from the sports world. And we start there um, in what's really been kind of an avalanche of what started as boycotts and now have gotten to actual cancellations, really, of various sporting events. And it all jumped off uh, by the Wednesday night playoff game uh, between the Bucks and the Magic. The Bucks are, of course, from uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the state in which the Jacob Blake sh- shooting occurred. And really towards the later afternoon Eastern time on Wednesday, getting inside an hour of the tip-off time of the Bucks game, we started hearing rumors that the team was thinking of boycotting the game, of really trying to make a statement in not even participating in the game whatsoever. And that came to fruition shortly after the scheduled tip-off time when we got note that the team was not going to come out of the locker room and thus uh, was essentially not going to participate. I've not seen exactly how this game will be decided if this playoff game in, in this series will just occur at another date. Um, I don't see the NBA issuing a forfeit or an automatic loss for th- for this kind of demonstration. I really don't. Um, that was followed by subsequent NBA action on Wednesday night being canceled. Uh, WNBA, not that that many people would have noticed, but they canceled their games for the night and at least one MLB game. I think it was the Los Angeles Dodgers game. Um, and and the Milwaukee Brewers game as well. Um, those games were uh, canceled due to protest of the Jacob Blake shooting. Um, not so much of a boycott insofar as there seems to be pretty widespread agreement in that there wasn't going to be any participation in the game in the first place. So that brings up a couple interesting notes. The first of all being that when do the boycotts end? And if they end, then certainly one can surmise that the subject matter of the boycott, the grievance that formed the boycott has been satisfied, has been alleviated. We no longer are voicing those concerns. Point well made, it's Time to go back to work. So I'm not really sure what the thought is here. I don't think there's a lot of thought, especially long-term. The NBA is in the middle of their playoffs. Uh, Are they going to continue 
the rest of the playoffs? Are they going to put an asterisk next to the season if the players really don't ever want to come back, at least this year? Uh, that'll be, uh, we'll have to wait and see about that. Um, I really don't think there's any real extenuating effects from the MLB side of things. It was such a horror show just to get a schedule down on paper with the MLB and have a season at all. So I don't think that they're going to do really anything to to scrap a season, even if some additional boycotts uh, occur. They have a full, of course, 30-team season going. They're not like the NBA where the playoffs have been whittled down to only those teams still in, in contention in the postseason. So I don't think those concerns are really quite as present um, in the MLB. And, of course, uh, football is still uh, uh, at least a couple weeks away from starting. Another note here from the NBA, as reported by SportsIllustrated.com, quote, cameras catch everything these days, so it was of little surprise when an exchange between Clippers forward Montrez Harrell and Mavericks star Luka Doncic was picked up on Friday night. In the first quarter of LA's win um, over Dallas, Harold bummed into Doncic, who is white, while attempting a layup. As he ran back on defense, Harold appeared to call Doncic a, quote, B.S. white boy, end quote. And one of the first responses to this was from Clippers head coach Doc Rivers, who issued really a, a thoroughly tone-deaf statement, just alighting the whole point of you know, if the races were reversed kind of sentiment. Um, he said, quote, you just have to be careful. They were both talking. I don't think Luca was saying anything racial, but he was swearing. So they both were doing it. It's an emotional game. Um, he went on to say that he didn't think that there was anything racial intended by it um, and told Montres Harrell to do the right thing. And to his credit, uh, Montrezl Harrell did apologize to Doncic before the next game. And at least from the video of them exchanging words before the start of the game, they appeared to bury any hatchet that might have been there. There doesn't seem to be any lasting sore feelings over the previous exchange. Uh, Rivers went, Coach Rivers went on to say that they squashed it and said, quote, Luca, I guess, was shocked that he needed to reach out, end quote. He meaning that Montrezl Harrell needed to reach out. Now, there's absolutely no word on Doncic being, quote, shocked by Harrell reaching out. But Doc Rivers, being the media savant that he is wont to be, peppered that in all the same. Doncic himself got his revenge by hitting a game-winning shot at the end of OT in the next game, to tie the best of seven series up at two to two. And at least one, at least someone in sports media had the awareness to address the double standard on display here, both in the, in the statement being uttered in and of itself on an NBA court, but really in the media's reaction to it. Certainly ESPN didn't give this any real serious thought. And But Jay Williams, the former uh, NBA and, and Duke star guard and ESPN analyst, went on his own social media 
and condemned Harold's comments, saying, quote, I can only imagine if Luka Doncic had said something like that to Harold and it got caught on tape, end quote. And props to Jay Williams. This wasn't said on air. It wasn't on broadcast television. He really took it upon himself to go to social media and at least get some sentiment on the record voicing this kind of concern and this kind of perspective. So for, for what it's worth against the mounting uh, ESPN on-air personality and on-air presence, not really giving this much consideration, uh, we still give Jay Williams some credit in doing at least that much. One final note here in COVID-related news. This is from the Daily Wire. Ian Smith and Frank Trombetti, who co-own Attila's Gym in New Jersey, have partnered with a U.S. Senate candidate to declare their gym an official campaign rally location in another bid to evade forced closure and the pandemic. Smith said, quote, We took a stand for our constitutional rights and the rights of all small business owners throughout the country. It wasn't intended to become political. We were trying to offer a solution to a problem where the government was failing and it turned political. And that was because of Governor Murphy's actions. So now we made it political just as much as he has. Trombetti added, Quote, we hope it gives us a reprieve until November 3rd and also mentioned that everyone who comes into the gym uh, will be given an opportunity to volunteer for the local Senate campaign there. So there is some legitimacy to justifying this as a campaign rally location. There are going to be campaign related and political related events going on on location over at the gym. Governor Murphy is the same governor from New Jersey. If you'll remember uh, several episodes back when discussing COVID news, he was on uh, Tucker Carlson's show maybe a couple months ago and really was squirming and wiggling his way around trying to justify the fact that he was closing down church services, even if they were kind of drive-by certainly socially distanced services, and didn't really have an answer for Tucker for why that was being done, obviously beyond the targeting of religious communities within his within his constituency. The gym in question here had reopened in May against the strict lockdown orders issued by Governor Murphy about two months prior. Uh, Smith and Trombetti unlocked their doors and were sure to space out the workout equipment uh, to give everyone at least six feet of space. And they also capped their attendance at 20% capacity. So they, they really tried their best to comply with any uh, social distancing guidelines or uh, sanitation guidelines, but nevertheless, they were hit with a $125,000 fine uh, from a court order earlier in the month and uh, $10.5 grand more to reimburse the state for legal costs. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy that the individuals who are really trying to do everything in their power to 
satisfy these laws. And by all accounts, really were. It seemed like the gist of the problem was that they were open per se, that they were open regardless of what efforts they were taking. And to add insult to injury, also had to pay the state's legal bills. Uh, Smith went on the record again saying, quote, I'm not afraid of tyrants. No American should be because we outnumber them greatly. And the only thing they run off of is fear, end quote. So I'm glad to hear a small business find a creative but genuinely and, and legitimately justified way to stay open in these crazy times. And hopefully they get the state of New Jersey, not only Governor Murphy, but also the judicial branch of the state of New Jersey off their backs for the remainder of the pandemic. And they're allowed to operate their business in what has been, by all accounts, uh, done in an effort to do the right thing by keeping everyone safe, uh, but also keeping their doors open at the same time. So that does it for this week's episode of Fate of the Union. You can reach me, Franklin, the host of the program, on Twitter or Medium.com by searching Fate of the Union. And please visit our new YouTube page over at Fate of the Union as well. You can also reach us by email at franklinfotu at gmail.com. This has been the Fate of the Union. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye.